there's been a, a few ladies that have uh, friend requested me on Facebook and and told me how much they love listening to me talk. Me so hard. You me love you long time. And, and one of them, she's actually a PhD uh, candidate. So am I. Oh, good for you. Um, <laughs> she did a recent um, a presentation on sexuality. Take it off. Oh. By the way, right up your alley. By the way, it's funny because she didn't know I was. I'm putting on the Barry White music now. Baby, take it all off. You have to. You have to edit this out. I'm not gonna. So, don't, no, say no, no, no. don't say it unless you don't want it. <laughs> no, seriously, Glenn. I want you the way you came into the world. Uh, okay. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't want to feel no clothes. She doesn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't want to see no panties. It's just so... Yeah. <laughs> and take on that Brazil, my dear. This is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and today's episode has kind of an interesting story behind it. And it goes a little something like this. Once upon a time, last month, two Mormon missionaries knocked on an infant's door. It was the house of our very own Matthew Long. And Matt sat these missionaries down and decided to teach them a thing or two about God. God is dead. We're all alone. I don't need an external influence to tell me where my needs are and how to meet my needs. And those missionaries heard Matt's words, and their hearts were stirred, and they took off their name tags and loosened their ties, and they left the church right then and there, right on the spot. The end. Sort of. Not exactly. But today... Matt and I are joined by Randy. If I did what you did, it would be so disgusting to me. I'm actually disgusted that you did it. Tom. As the thought experiment, right? What would the more enlightened Tom say to the younger, naive, swallowed up into Mormonism Tom? And Scott. Hey, Scott. If I could go back and talk to myself, I think I could convince myself in five minutes. Well, it only, it only took you three minutes to leave the church. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about this experience, our current feelings on the Mormon church, and what advice we might give to our younger selves if, as missionaries, we somehow tracked out and knocked on the doors of our future selves. So sit back and enjoy a good old-fashioned infant-style discussion with five of the six original infants. We missed you, Bob. Okay, so I'm not going to shy away from this. My favorite Bob. Okay, we missed Matt's favorite Bob. You know, the good Bob. Can you, con- <laughs> can you contrast that to your least favorite Bob? Yeah, oh, but I won't. Because, yeah, <laughs> thank you. We missed you good Bob. Wait, what? Good Bob. It's the good Bob. It's the good Bob that we missed. We missed the good Bob. So, I know you all wondered why I gathered you here. We should talk about <laughs> Truth. We, we are gathered here today. <laughs> All right, go um, ahead and give your hey, background. No, I do want to say my background is is 
all of a sudden, Infant started putting out episodes that I listened to and found interesting. Oh, did you oh, listen nice. to those? Independent nice. All of a sudden. Independent of me being on. And I was like, <laughs> these guys, that doesn't make what you said any better. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so much better with a little bit of matte flavor. To no, yeah. I didn't. That's not. Um, <laughs> no, really. Like the strangest thing happened. I was interested in you guys when I wasn't a part of your discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I was, an, I was a fan. Weird. Yeah, I was. I was. No, I came on. I, I listened, and really, it felt like the perspective of the of, of a fan. It was my favorite. Bob um, was on. <laughs> my favorite, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Can you can you contrast that to your least favorite Bob? Yeah, oh, but I won't. Geez. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> no, he was it, it, so all these insights that these guys, my friends, uh, were making about an important topic and making it more accessible to me than when you know when I had heard from these two um, you know giant academics, and I got more out of the conversation from um, my buddies who've been doing a pretty good podcast for five years. So. That's what leads to this. Me wanting to actually talk with you fuckers again. Oh, nice. All right. No, but that was, you guys actually did some of that stuff after I wanted to do this episode because a weird fucking thing happened. Hello. I got tracted into by Mormon missionaries like three weeks ago. Why does that never happen to me? Bro, I don't think they're tracking anymore. Like they aren't really door knocking anymore, are they? Uh, I don't. I don't yeah, even see him on the streets anymore. Like, I oh, I see him. him. I see him. Do you? Well, yeah. Well, you're you're like in Gilbert. <laughs> oh, you're I, right. That, that was my mission. <laughs> we were every two blocks. Okay. Missionaries <laughs> stop by here about every other month. Do they? Yeah. Lehigh, Utah. Yeah. But I mean, they know you're you're on the records, and they're kind of coming in as, "Hey, brother Perry," blah blah right. blah. Is it just like that? Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, hey, so your daughter hasn't been baptized. Uh, that's an we, easy convert number. Yeah, we, we, oh, we, need, we need the stats. Yeah. <laughs> not, it's not, it's not Zone good. Zone leaders coming down on us hard. <laughs> <laughs> we can, our numbers are shit here in Utah County. What's the deal? Yeah. Well, and we resigned uh, a few years mm-hmm. ago. So this was a random tract. It's random, yeah. Like, um, and we were kind of watching to see if they're – if they were going to knock into our doors, because we saw them across the, across the way there. And, and we were, you know, Chris and I work from home um, most days. Um, so they, they, I saw them kind of knock the two doors across and then they, uh, the next door neighbors, uh, Mormon, and they kind of were stopping there looking and they bypassed that one. And they sure isn't sure enough, they knock in our door. And so I opened the door like, hi, um, elder so-and-so elder so-and-so. Uh, hi, my name is Matt Long. Come on in, step out of the, you know, heat or whatever. Um, you know, show, you know, the, the air conditioning, just get out of the heat. And so we come in, I kind of invite him in. It's nice, right? You didn't, you didn't pull the, don't you know who I am card? No, 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 not at all. I just came in and I figured they knocked on my door. I'll invite yeah. him and see where this goes. Okay. And, and I had no, um, I had no real expectations or, you know, what, how I was going to handle it or confront it or whatever. Um, but I definitely kind of approach it with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Right. So I invite them in and they sit down and. Well, I want to ask you a question first. Yeah. What, why was your first reaction? Not like, no, thanks guys. Uh, keep, mo- you know, keep moving. Move That's on. a really good question, dude. I don't know. I just had some time and I, w- I knew I wanted to engage with them. I just kind of mm. want to see why that, you know, they were I was interested in the approach. 
and really the cold approach with them not knowing that I was who I was. So you're looking at it as an opportunity to get a, like a, how the message is being delivered nowadays as compared to when you were there. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to see what the, what the bit would be, what the, (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah, with the what, stick, with the what's self- the stick is? What's your move? Yeah, yeah. what's your move to get in? So, well, and, but from their perspective, this is a total waste of time. Well, I don't know. I think from their perspective, they just got let into a door. Yeah, but uh, I was let into doors that were traps by Jehovah's Witnesses, and I walked out of that place going, "What a fucking waste of time." But yeah, I, didn't, you know, I didn't say fucking, but I yeah. said, <laughs> but, know, they I didn't, said but they didn't that know that Matt was Matt, right? No, they didn't know that you were an ex Mormon. No, no. What I'm saying is, is from Matt's perspective, he could empathize with them by saying, this is a waste of your time. Sure. I can be nice to you. I can bring you in out of the heat. I can give you a glass of water, but th- there's nowhere that they're, there's no hope for them from Matt's perspective. So uh, you know, oh, I think Matt had tremendous hope for them, Randy. <laughs> Not from their perspective, but from where, where they are this, at this point in their life, they're looking to right. convert people to the gospel of Jesus. Right, but Christ. I think Matt recognized that they needed to be converted to some truths of yeah, their maybe own. Maybe I have some shit to say. Maybe I have some things to say. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm trying to. That's all I'm trying to establish is like this. This wasn't a charitable <laughs> act. Well, I'll, I'll say this as, <laughs> as a missionary that knocked doors. Getting water. <laughs> That's, as, a, as a missionary yeah. that knocked doors, I actually even liked le- being let in, even if I knew it was a trap or right? set up, rather than the door slamming in our face or just, you know, pretend like they're not there. Bro, here's yeah. what I knew. I knew yeah. I was going to treat them with kindness and that they were going to be out of the fucking Arizona heat for, you know. Oh, believe me. 15 I, I served there. I know. So. <laughs> So yes, I think it was charitable. Now I'm feeling like a big dick for just letting them in. On no, that. I'm not saying. I, I'm just trying to like temper the whole charitable. I'm being <laughs> nice thing and just kind of no. couch it. And you, you were curious, like you. Oh, there was something you were self. It was self-serving course, in course. some at some level. Hundred percent. Not, okay. not even at some level. It was absolutely self-serving. Like, oh, let's see where this goes. What What do they have? What What, what will their responses be to some of my stuff. Will they try to bash? Will they, where will this go? Right. And, and I'm not judging because I'd be the same way. I would have done the exact same thing. Sure. Sure. And so what I did is I record, I, I wanted the whole thing recorded. So I got my little digital record. Oh my God. And I recorded <laughs> it from so the entire interaction from like opening the doors to the dogs barking and um, it, getting them in there was, was all recorded. So um, anyway, I sit them down and I just wait for them to say something like, and um, he says, so are, are you a member? And I said, no. And right there, they should have got me because a member of what should have been the answer to that question, right? Are you a member? <laughs> yeah, you gave him a tell. <laughs> yeah, I did. I told him they just blow, they blew right past it. I'm like, no. And they're like, I'm oh. a golden investigator. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now, I'm a Gentile. Me- meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, I get, you got to see, I don't know how much they've observed, but we've maintained a, some of our Mormon kitsch um, and have embraced the symbol, symbolism of it and, and have it in our house in different places. So we do have like this, one of those uh, wood, uh, 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 one of those vinyl letter kind of plaques with like families are forever long, you know, up there. And so if you really studied our house, it would be this. 
um, this, this real mixture of, you know, there's wine here and there's alcohol over here and there's a coffee thing here, but there's this Mormon shit over here. And then there's this, um, <laughs> so you could understand, you know, me letting them in and probably they were, they were looking at things and saw, you know, are you a member? But, um, so I say, no, I'm like, well, do you know any, uh, members of the Mormon church? <laughs> I just laughed. I said, well, yeah, I know a lot of them. They said, well, I live in Mesa. And they, they, they said, well, you know, you live in Mesa. I said, well, they're like, well, have your interactions with them been positive? And I go, well, I mean, like with most people, I, I have really, I've had good relationships and good interactions and really, really bad ones with Mormons, just like all people. I mean, I don't really buy into tribes where because you're a part of one group, you're good. And because you're not a part of one group, you're bad. That just seems kind of a weird approach to things. And you said that to them? Oh, I did. No, no, I directly said that to them. And they said, oh, yeah, no, that's probably a good way to uh, approach it. And um, so um, I said, yeah, you know, I said, in fact, I think it's your founder that I I got some things from that that idea of (laughs) Jeff Mormon. Um, yeah, I said, I, said, I, said, I think it was your, Johnson, your founder. I got, I got a lot of things out there. You know, I think he's the one that said that creeds are an abomination. And I really buy into that, that, uh, that creeds are an abomination. I said, in fact, I think it was your founder. Um, <laughs> oh God. You know, you actually taught us, that? taught us three really important things is that God is real. And he says, he is. I was like, yeah. Set back there, buddy. I got some stuff for you. Um, yeah, God is real. Um, and uh, God, is, stick, yeah, God is real. Creeds are an abomination. And that a man has the ability to approach God directly. And he goes, through prayer. I said, no. Through personal revelation. Oh, d- oh at that point, come on, man. Are these guys... <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a it's trap. A trap. <laughs> so he's like, oh, oh, yeah, personal revelation. I'm like, oh, he's still on script, right? He's still on um, <laughs> BRT. Yeah, well, no, he's still on. Yeah, well, let's connect, make the connections that you can approach God through prayer, right? If I can concede that, then I'm already half into you know prophets. The you know blah blah blah. That's the whole the, the first the first uh, my old first discussion shtick, right? So I said, listen, man, I'm not going to fuck with you guys anymore. I'm not a member, but I was a member. And they go, they both just kind of go, oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, they're, I'm sure they said that. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Both of them simultaneously. <laughs> this, is the, this is the reaction. But oh, like, fuck, oh, man. You got least, any tequila? Yeah. At least I understand. <laughs> well, because this was getting a little weird, right? No, and I said, look, I'm, uh, I, I resigned a few years ago. I don't want to mislead you guys. I don't want to mess with you at all. So <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> any more than I am already. I had my fun. Yeah. And so then we actually just entered into a really, really nice conversation. They, they, they said, uh, we talked about leaving the church. They said, was that hard? We talked about, yeah, it's hard. And I told them, you know, that um, the church, from my perspective, is a cult. And it's, it's a cult in the manner in which they make it so difficult for people to leave. Um, you know, that, 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 that's, that's been my experience and it was, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And at this point, Kristen is there and she's offering her insights and kind of her perspective on things and saying, yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, right away I told him, look, man, I left the church. I'm not an enemy. 
I'm not an enemy of the people. I'm not, I'm not an enemy of the church. I mean, we're, we're friends with the, the, the ward here where these are, these are good friends. Um, you know, but you know, it doesn't have to be that way, but, uh, anyway, talk, talk to him about being a cult. And, um, and then I, I said, look, can I give you kind of my view of things and just kind of walk them through what I've learned since leaving the church. And I talked to him about, you know, just tried to expand their minds a little bit about the concept of God. And I said, look, man, <laughs> as I take a drink of beer, yeah. <laughs> so look, man, I said, I want you to consider your God, Elohim, the creator of all of us. That Elohim, who understood and understands time and space better than we'll ever understand. The great Elohim that, 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 is omnipotent and kind and loving and knows everything, but is still a living being. And consider that Elohim getting to a point of consciousness and understanding that understands that his universe is collapsing on itself and no living thing can withstand the collapse of the universe. And so this living being does the only thing that he could do, Elohim, exploded herself, creating the Big Bang. And gave life into the universe and gave life to the moons and the stars and our and this universe here, ensuring that life could continue. As it gave the ultimate sacrifice. You know, the listeners are missing out that they can't see Randy's face as you're saying just, all this stuff. This is like my favorite the fuck you're talking about. I'm glad Randy's doing this. Listen. <laughs> I want to do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is even a trap for Randy. It's a trap. I just don't understand how a literal man who lives on a literal planet around a literal star named Kolob within the universe was outside of the universe and decided I'm going to do the big bang and create the universe. It doesn't matter. <laughs> The how doesn't matter. The point is giving these kids perspective, man. <laughs> that your God is dead. And that's the point. Right? Is <laughs> I, I could I, I, you know, I could no, think you of like this, Randy. So I said, listen. I said, listen, it was an actual sacrifice, a permanent sacrifice. I said, you know, you we're, we're familiar with sacrifices, right? I said, this wasn't just a uh, you know, Jesus had a bad weekend for your sins. I said, and then I broke up. I said, guys, you ever think about that? Like, seriously, like he really wasn't in there very long. And I do the little Mr. Deity bit, right? No, no, no. He says, we're going to put you in late Friday, bring you out early Sunday. It'll be like 30 hours tops, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm but you're still talking about crucifixion, dude. It's a little, a little bit harsher than a bad weekend. Well, I oh, just, like he had a hung, hangover. Oh, dude, dude, there's, there are <laughs> billions of people that have suffered worse death. That, that dying from starvation is far worse. Bled from every poor man. There was like I a was in the garden. I wasn't the crucifixion. You guys can't comprehend. <laughs> now I'm TBM whispering. All I'm but. saying is he was only dead for three days or 30 hours, right? Okay. Contrast that with, you know, my concept of God that is dead forever, right? <laughs> Giving the ultimate sacrifice to life. Okay. So I tell them about this and um, they, they're just like, yeah, I've never really, really never thought of that before. <laughs> that's I, so don't, I don't think anyone's thought of no it like shit. that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 some people have, but 
I'm so sure. you're saying God is dead. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what I'm saying, is that God is dead and that we're alone. Okay. So There's a guy named Nietzsche who thought of that first. Yeah, it, yeah. I didn't say well, it was an original. David, I didn't say it was an original idea. I just am, David Hume, <laughs> David Hume <laughs> thought of that a uh, couple of centuries before Nietzsche. I'm saying, I'm saying it's a valuable idea, right? Um, but anyway, we're telling him my view of things, which is essentially God is dead. Okay. I'm alone. I am God, that whole thing. Right. Um, we're all alone. I don't need an external influence to tell me where my needs are and how to meet my needs. Cause that's essentially what the church does. And that's what external, you know, external influences try to do. And I realized that that didn't work. Right. So that was the point of that, Randy. It was this, it was to get into the, it was to try to BRT with them to talk about God. So you're speaking their language, uh, but, but trying to come up with uh, a Nietzsche type message through their language of Elohim. Correct. Okay. Right? And to also expand things beyond Elohim. Because one of the things I always like doing with, the, with Christians right, is going beyond their God, right? Who created your God? And this was a way to give them at least a metaphorical example of how they could conceive of that at least being so. So what's the uh, conclusion of the story? Uh, did you give them uh, another yeah, so glass the con- of water? No, the and, and, we, and you may have to explain why we're not listening to the actual words of you saying this since yeah, yeah. you said that you recorded it. Yeah, I lost the fucking recording. I listened back to it and then I played it back and Kristen and I listened back. So I listened to it twice and then Kristen listened to it with me. And then the next day I went to take it off my recorder and the recorder was completely Oh, that's a testament that God is still alive and kicking. That's right. That's (laughs) that's divine intervention, man. Exactly. But really, here's the point of it, Randy, (laughs) is when I got done, I wasn't fucking talking to those kids. I was talking to me. Because. (laughs) Are Are you still talking to you? I'm always talking to me, Randy. (laughs) I've I've stopped talking to you. Listen. Um. The things that I said, the things that I said about God, the things I said about leaving the church, the things that I said about um, how to find truth and how to um, just look inward as far as finding where your needs are and how to meet them were all things I wish that I would have known or at least been exposed to when I was, fuck, at least 19 years old, at least 20 years old like these kids. It was a really... It was a really nice conversation because we were just real with each other. And nobody at that point, once I told them I resigned, they didn't have any expectations that they were going to convert me. And I certainly didn't have any expectations that I was going to convert them. So instead, we just had strangers trying to kind of bridge gaps. And it kind of happened. And nobody really testified to anyone well, they, they certainly didn't testify to me. They didn't ask to end in prayer. We just had kind of a nice conversation at the end. Um, I well, told, what you missed was they dusted their feet off uh, after they left. I don't, I don't see. I don't think so. And this is, this is kind of, um, this is, this, this conversation was actually a culmination of about six or seven really important interactions related to the church that give me a little bit of hope Um or it, it, they've, it's both given me some hope and it's both destroyed my hope in being able to interact with, with members. So it, it's, it, I don't think so, Randy, because as we left, we were just talking about how, look, whatever the deal is, whatever happens, 
we've got to be able to be kinder to each other. And we've got to pre- create more bridges amongst believers, Mormons, and especially ex-Mormons and those who will be leaving the faith and are questioning the faith. That relationship has to be better than it currently is. And I said, if we can do this, you know, I think there's hope for us to, to kind of do that in the future. And I actually really felt that with these kids and this, the, the younger generation in, in particular. And in talking to these kids, these 20-year-old kids, it just it felt different. And it is different than talking to people my age and my, my parents' age. Um, so it just, it, it really helped, it made me approach, it really made me reflect on the way I think about the church and maybe the realities of the church a little bit more after having had that conversation and re-injecting myself kind of in that mindset after having been detached from it for so long. So that's why I wanted to check in with everybody is their, their relationship to Mormonism and how they view Mormonism because in the same what here's here's what I'll say just to, what it left me with with my interactions this this last few few months have left me with and they've been pretty fucking intense guys I have had a I have dealt with more shit in the last four months both professionally and personally than I ever thought I'd ever have to deal with I I, I don't know <laughs> that I should have had to deal with it just just in the the <laughs> Uh, fuck. Um, I just went on vacation. I uh, went to Australia and it was fucking amazing. And yesterday I went back this week and was in court and I was just kind of thinking about things. And I realized that probably in 15 years, I had not spent a consecutive, uh, more than, more than probably three to five days, not thinking about a kid getting fucked or somebody getting killed. That's been my life basically for the last 15 years and it's taken a fucking toll. And it's like all these things have converged in the last four months and it's all fucking related to Mormonism or it's, it's, there's a, there's a Mormon tie in. And what it's left me with is just the conclusions that just like everything else, Mormonism is fucking complex and subtle. And the problems that we point to as associated with it are complex and subtle problems that have other variables and other things (coughs) going on. And we're too quick to just demonize, especially Mormonism, as being all one thing or all, all another thing, when in reality it's none of them and it's all of them. The Mormon church is a cult, because it's destroyed my family. The Mormon church is a saving institution because it saved my dad. Because, (laughs) you know, my dad lost his folks when he was 19 years old, right before he converted and went on a mission. So he joins the church. He finds family. It saved him. It became his family. And it's what he needed to fucking survive without his, his parents. And yet as a result of that, when his kids leave it, he chooses his family over his kids. And so in that, in in that, that, in, in, in that man, the church is both a beautiful saving thing and a damnable destructive thing. It's 
complex and subtle. And as I left this conversation with these missionaries, I felt a lot of hope. And I said, well, come back. You know, you guys just, if you need to check in, if you need, if you need some water, if you want cool, you know, be just a, a cool area to just, you know, get to your next appointment, we're here, man. Um, bring, you know, bring the other, they were on splits. And I said, bring the other guy. He's like, oh, no, we probably won't do that. <laughs> I said, why not? Oh, he won't like you. So in that very moment, it gave me hope with these kids and also demonstrated, but there is also a destructive manifestation and an expression as well. So, wow, I got, that got a little heavy there. I didn't mean for it to, but so I wanted to call my friends and be like, what is our approach to Mormonism? And is, can we be better than fucking, eh, it's all one or it's all the other? And, and what is, what is your guys's, what would you all say to yourself at 19 now at 40 something? <laughs> that's the thought experiment right what would you say what would what would the more enlightened tom talk or say to the younger naive swallowed up into mormonism tom is yeah. that what you're asking yeah and if you could have a frank like a good faith conversation with yourself uh, man uh, well one thing i i don't think and I've thought about this and I've gone back and forth. And I might flip again. I don't think that I would say, Hey, uh, Mormonism is not true. <laughs> I don't think I would, I don't think I would try to convince myself at that stage of my life that everything around me was not what it really. Yeah. I don't think so, I would. Is there any age at which you think you would do that? Yeah. Before I was eight. Before you were eight, but not at 19. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is when you're young, you know, you're, you're still getting your feet wet in it. You're not, you're not planting so many seeds that grow into these trees in your head. And, but when you get into adolescence and teenager and then, you know, adulthood or whatever, those trees have already blossomed and that you're done. Those roots are deep. If I could, if I could unplug myself before then, yeah. But once, once those trees were planted and a lot of roots were already there, I don't think I'd want to pull it out. Only because I, I see a lot of positivity and beneficial outcome from staying in. I mean, mm -hmm. I look at my wife, I look at my family, and just a lot of positive things. And obviously, it's not just one-sided. It's not, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I, I can look back and say that path that I went on definitely is the best path that I could have been on. I mean, maybe it could have been better if I could go back and convince myself like, Hey, so it's me from the future. That, yeah. And that's that DeLorean that I took to get here. But listen, you got to understand it. It's not true. So get out. I don't think whatever trajectory that would have put me on, maybe it'd be better. Maybe not. It's, it, it's impossible to say, but, um, I just, I think back to the way my mind was and how important the church was, dude. I mean, the church was so important to me through my later teens and all through my 20s and most of my 30s. I, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I'm still, I'm still trying to recover <laughs> from that hole that's left. I mean, there was a, there was a day the other day when just bad shit was happening 
And, and I just instinctually thought this is the time where I would pray and I'd like do these steps to, to lean on deity to get me through this. And I don't have it. It fucking sucks. Did you, did you pray? No, I didn't. Yeah. No, no. I mean, there, there was a time when uh, your child had the umbilical cord wrapped around the neck. Yeah. Well, that I was still believing then. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is at that time, belief was kind of like a buoy to you. Well, uh, yeah, and, you know, some, I was, something to hold on to in the darkness. And I, it's still, it's still complicated for me when I think back to that time, my wife brings it up all the time. Like, how do you make sense to, of that experience? But, but getting answers. What? But like, if if you know now that prayer was this button that you would push, that you trained your brain with all those forests of deep rooted trees and everything in it, that if you push this button, you're going to get serotonin or or whatever it is that uh-huh. that comforts you. And now you're like, oh, I didn't realize at the time that it was just this biochemical response that was happening from this conditioned behavior that I was raised with. Um, I thought that it was actually God that was doing it. But now you know that there's that button that's there. Why not push it? Uh, good question. I don't know. Why, why, not, why not pray? Even if you know that the words that you're saying, you know, because I had this experience maybe four or five months ago and Krista was really, really sick. And uh, like she was throwing up every 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, it was to the point, I, I even called Matt. I'm like, should I take her to the, uh, to, to the emergency room? What should I do? I don't know what to do. And, uh, and, and at one point I thought, I, I, just like that instinct that you had, like, oh, uh, old Glenn would have knelt down and prayed in this case. And I thought, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that because that's, you know, how I've been thinking since I left the church. But then I, okay, well, let's try it. And it was so weird. It was like clearing out this dusty cabinet in my brain, but it was so familiar. Like all the right. the words like heavenly father, I'm so thankful right. for all the many blessings that thou hast given to me. And I'm like, I haven't said thou hast given to me and fucking how long, you know, like <laughs> right. those, th- th- it, those are some but dusty it, tracks. Didn't it? That's just like, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, it was, it was muscle memory and I started feeling better and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is weird. Well, like that but, doesn't mean I believe in God, you know, no. maybe Matt's God. But (laughs) (laughs) I I would imagine so. Yeah. No, but I I think you're right. But there might, you might have just been getting benefit from just the ritualistic action of doing that. Like exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's like like you're at home and you, and you're depressed or whatever. And if you start cleaning the house, you feel better because now your environment's cleaner. Mm. (laughs) It's like, well, have you guys guys tried substituting with meditation? Has anyone, has anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I still dabble in meditation quite a bit, yeah. but, but go, going back real quick to your point there, Glenn, the reason why I can't do that, if I'm in that moment where I, I feel that instinctual, where I got it, I feel like this is where I would lean on deity. And now I can't, because if I'm going to grab that magic pill and I know it's a placebo effect and it's just a sugar pill, I'm not going to take it thinking that it's going to be beneficial <laughs> then it defeats the placebo effect well but why why are you describing it as a placebo effect because, because i it didn't it is a placebo effect if you no, it's not if, yeah it is because if i go into the ritual of praying to a deity that i don't believe in what do you call that because all you're so, doing 
is yeah. you're doing things to potentially, hopefully, make you feel better, but it's not actually no. It's it's it's, it's designed for. <laughs> Glenn, the active ingredient of Mormon prayer is God, and yeah. you just like denigrated like oh, the, any idea that that there was any divine intervention there, guys. So th- obviously, this, it's a placebo effect. It's not a placebo effect. It's it's activating because uh, you said it's so. recognizing it's recognizing the way that I conditioned my mind to give myself peace and comfort. It's like masturbation. That's, that is it's placebo. masturbation. You just Randy. define placebo effect. I don't think so. Man. I don't think I define placebo effect. No, placebo effect is you take a pill and and the expectation. Yeah, but for, for something. To be better, I'm saying that you have neural. It. You don't have the expectation for placebo effect to work. You have to. Believe that you have work. to believe that it yeah. that it that there's a chance that it's the right the thing. And, and I'm saying that there are physical neural pathways in my brain that were formed from years and years and years and years of doing this shit. And I'm going to activate those neural pathways with eyes wide open, not thinking that I'm doing it to get blessings from a god, but that I'm activating my neural pathways using well, the secret passwords and codes that I need to activate you're, them. You're Glenn, and you're an outlier all the time in every way no, I in think, every instance i think prayer I, is like Tom. a ritual it's, it's like a ritual though like yeah. it's like a it's a it's a, a pattern and practice of something you've done physically it's not just Dude, like no but when you, you take away the active ingredient and you're a thinking person like me glenn <laughs> yeah so as if i'm yeah, not a thinking a, person no, but at a minimum at a minimum it's focusing your <laughs> yeah. thoughts glenn you're weird i actually think it's a form it's a form of meditation it's, it's a form of meditation why? well then, then do meditation why focus on what they think i agree with you randy I, but that's it's, whether it be prayer or meditation or something it's not a placebo effect because the act well, of doing uh, that is there is value in quieting i get trying to speak I get, to yourself because that's ultimately what, when you're at least talking to God in secret, you're finally willing to expose the secrets of your mind, which forces you to actually expose the secrets of your mind. So when you're praying to God who you can't hide your, your secrets from, you can actually be honest for a change. What I'm saying and, is and- it allows for that, and that does some, fucking something in chilling people the fuck out and finding their keys and actually doing finding their keys. <laughs> and, and Randy, this didn't become something that then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to pray all the time. Now I did that once. And I was like surprised at the results of it. And what it did was it, 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 it stripped away all of the negative shit that I felt around prayer. You know, like, the, like the, I, the, I knew I could go thing. into it without any kind of supernatural expectations. There wasn't anything supernatural about it. It's like, I, I, I've never gone to the gym and worked out in my life, but in my head, I did this exercise that created these brain muscles or whatever, you know, these neural pathways that I, I put so much time into it. I might as well get some benefit from it now instead of just going at eh, no, I'm just walking away from it. And even though I've got this way that could comfort me, I'm not going to do it out of spite or whatever. I, it just, it made that go away. So I, there's probably been a few times where I've dabbled in it since then, but it, you know, it, it's never going to be like it was when I was a Mormon and I was really pleading for the Lord to save me and make me feel better. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say that, um, the reflex hasn't been there for me. Um, you know, when, when something 
goes wrong and you just like, where do I turn for comfort? And the reflex is there to turn to that comfort. Right. And but, the reflex is met by the I, reflux saying, uh-uh. but no, yeah. It's, but yeah, I'm with Tom. It's like, you can't put the, like for some of us, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. And, uh, and, and it, I think, Maybe I should try it. What, what's, what, but, is, what is putting the genie back in the bottle for you? Well, I, I, putting the genie back in the bottle is is like um, pretending like I, I just don't know how um, doing the. I mean, speaking in 16th century English, <laughs> asking, uh, addressing Heavenly Father, thanking Him, and then asking for things, and then closing in the name of Jesus Christ. That would that would be so stilted, to that seems like it would be so stilted to me, and so disingenuous that I can't even imagine a benefit from it. Uh, there would just there would be all you know you you got the serotonin, but I would be getting all of this negative like like you said reflux, <laughs> and and uh, have to like suppress the vomit uh, at the same time because it's it's you know, it's so silly to me now. Yeah. See, you have to, for me too, I, I would have to be able to exercise a form of self-deceit in order to make it even worthwhile to where I, I'm not, as I'm doing it, I'm not thinking, what am I doing? What am, wh- why am I doing this? Like it's, you know, this isn't going to actually do what you intended to do, Tom. And then the it's other inauthentic. It, and and yeah, I, it's, it's like, okay, yeah. All, all right. You know, it's like what you said, Glenn, you know, if, if I'm going to sit in a chair in my lazy boy and I'm going to think, I'm going to imagine myself as if I'm at the gym working out. And then when I stand up, I'm going to, all my muscles are going to be fatigued and I'm going to feel better. And my, I got all my cardio just sitting there as I thought about it. No, you're not. No, it didn't work. <laughs> Cause you didn't get up and go to the gym. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just have a, I have a really strong uh, repulsive, reflex to inauthenticity and to to do i wasn't being inauthentic well i would be if i if i did what you did it would it would be so disgusting to me (laughs) i'm actually disgusted that you did it (laughs) really i can't tell (laughs) (laughs) i don't know It's, it's like okay uh Oh, holy unicorn. It's like, that made me feel better. Oh, really? Okay. That doesn't work for me. What does work for you, Randy? Nothing. (laughs) I'll take my way then. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a terrible sales pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I always said I take the truth over happiness, and and I've chosen that path, and that's where I am. Alcohol or my bait pen? Yeah. Vapor hey, pipe. Hey, hey, <laughs> That's all I got. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, well, I, I thought it was interesting, Tom. You're like, the only advice you'd give to them is what? Is stay out your, your, or to yourself. Get out no. of the church. It's all false. I mean, you can give better advice than that. It doesn't have to be all or any, all or nothing. So, so I had a, a really good friend and we, we went down this, you know, if you have a long enough conversation, sometimes you fall into these traps where you're like, well, so what, if you go back and talk to your younger self, what would you say? And he told me something that actually opened my eyes a lot. He says, I would just go back and I would find myself at that age 
And I'd give them a hug and say, hey, you're loved, you're respected. Quit being so hard on yourself. You know, you're going to be okay. See, I'm still alive. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> still alive. <laughs> you know, it's like... Up until age 40-something. <laughs> well, but even, but even, but even it, when I was that young, I actually thought I wouldn't make 20. And then I wouldn't make 25. It, because there was always these reoccurring suicidal thoughts or it was... I always had these fantasies that something was going to happen. Uh, there's there's uh, members of my family that have like visions and stuff like that. And some of them talked about that I wouldn't make 30 and blah, blah, blah. And there's like little insinuations in my patriarchal blessing that made me think that I wouldn't survive or whatever. And so I always thought I'm going to capitalize on my life now because there's an end limit. And uh, I don't know. I think to me, it would have changed my life substantially if I just would have let go of that, that impending doom. <laughs> like I've got this, that I'm going to die soon. Cause if I thought, Hey, at least you'll make it to your forties and fifties at minimum. Yeah. And that, you know, maybe even retirement, that'd be great. <laughs> if you make it to that point, um, Hey, there's really not much to worry about in your twenties and thirties, you know, enjoy your time, enjoy your life, enjoy your friends and just, and just quit worrying about this shit that you can't control that is completely unrealistic. Cause I was so, stressed out and depressed and I was causing so much anxiety on myself back then. That's what I would have wanted to do is just say, dude, just chill, man. Like everything's going to be fine. Would you have believed yourself? Yeah, it was me. You wouldn't have believed yourself, Tom. Why? If I was going to believe anybody, why would I not believe me? Because because right now you can tell yourself that. So right now, right now, tell yourself that and see if it works. I'm not telling my younger self. I'm telling my current self. Tell your current, tell your current self that there's nothing to worry about, that everything's going to be okay. Well, I do that now. Okay. I'm better now than when I was then. Yeah. See, I, I disagree with your premise, Glenn. I think for me, I have a premise. Yes. I can't wait to hear what my premise is. (laughs) Or your hypothesis. Yeah. No, that you're saying like there's a difference between. By the way, Scott Rowley, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> are you yeah. are you recording from the moon? He's, yeah. in, he's in the witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> All I could see is the glow of your headphones. Yeah, it's just, I'm just in a dark. I'm in a dark room, man. I'm a bachelor this weekend, and I'm just it's smurftastic just in my bachelor cave here. Yeah. Um, if I could go back and talk to myself, I think I could convince myself in five minutes. Well, it only, it only took you three minutes to leave the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a day and a half. Okay. No, it was very quick, but, but no, I think, I think the same thing that I, I wasn't fundamentally that different of, of my personality from when I was 18, 19 to when I was 27 I was a lot more mature, but I think if I could go back to when I was 18 before I, you know, put in my papers from, for my mission and said, okay, give me an hour of your time here. We're going to sit down and walk through all the stuff you've learned and explain, you know, a few things. I think I absolutely would have been convinced by it. So I'm, and I don't, the, the last two years, especially, um, Mormonism is just so less relevant to me. It's just, 
every minute of my life that's spent thinking about Mormonism, I just feel like I'm, I'm never going to get that back. And <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to think in 10 years, I wish I'd spent more of the last 10 years talking about stuff with the church. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to think that at all. And so it's just been, I, once I've gotten through my faith crisis and once my family was, you know, my, my wife and me and my kids, which we're all, we're all out. Um, it's, I can't even describe how big of a difference it is for um, how much interest I'm, I'm willing to give to it. Oh, well, rub it in, Scott. That, uh, that'd be nice. No rear view mirror for you. But uh, I, it's true. It's true, man. Okay. All right. I believe you, actually. Um, that, going back, Glenn, where you were saying I couldn't convince myself, I was thinking as Scott was talking about this, I would, I would probably have one of those Bill and Ted moments. I was like, if you don't think it's me, what number are you thinking of right now? Like 69, dude. Like, who, who are you masturbating to right now? I bet you I know who it is. Yeah, you know, like, totally. Yeah. It, it's, it's stuff like that that I know I could convince myself. I, I, it's like I know myself too well. I know I could do it. Yeah, my, my, I guess the, the premise behind me saying that, and it may be wrong, um, it, it is that you can talk to people a lot and you can try to explain to them a lot. And maybe you can cerebrally, intellectually convince them of a certain things, but there's, there's no replacement for the experience of actually going through these things and learning for yourself. And I, I think if, if my older self came back to my younger self, my younger self would be like, okay, fat loser, whatever. I'm going to do this better than you did. <laughs> you know? Okay, and I don't go to the gym. Okay. Yeah, right. It, it, it would be like, okay, well, maybe that's what happened to you, but I'll do things differently. Thanks for letting me know. Let's see how it goes. You know, I'm going to roll the dice. And, you know, and, and even when Matt was talking about, um, you know, the advice that he gave to those two missionaries and how he wished that someone would have given him that advice. I, I think my first thought to that was, well, how do you know that someone didn't and it just didn't resonate with you? Mm. So, you know, you have no memory of it. You know, yeah. it didn't, you, you had no reason for it to mean anything to you at that time. And I, I thought in, in my mission, the closest that I ever had to that, and it's something that actually did kind of resonate with me is I, I, this guy probably in his mid thirties invited us into his house, beautiful family. And I said, we want to talk to you about the purpose of life. And he goes, let me stop you right there how old are you? You know, why don't you come back in 15 years when you're married, when you have a family, you have worked, you know, for a living. And then we'll talk about the purpose of life. Wow. And I kind of went, Oh, wow. I think he's got a point, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we've got a profit and we've got these other things in that, oh. but it, it stuck with me. It stuck with me. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I, I think part of, for me, um, feeling comfortable about where I am with the church it has been finding some level, this is going to sound platitudinal, but finding some level of gratitude for the things that I learned and the things that I experienced, even the, even the really hard stuff of, you know, get, getting out of it and going through the divorce that I went through, you know, all, all those hard things um, that, um, that there would have been other hard things. If, if I wasn't in the church, there would have been other things. Uh, th there would be other organizations. You know, the, the company that I worked for, um, th there were some shitty things going on there. It wasn't like a cult <laughs> to the level like Matt's talking about with the Mormon church, but 
just like these human interactions with people, you're always going to have people that are uh, just assholes. And you, I think especially in the church, when, when they feel like they've got God behind them, they can be even bigger assholes. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think that there's anything that I could have said to my younger self that would have brought me to where I am at 46 years old just by a conversation um, I've had to have every single experience that I've ever had to get where I am. Uh, that what you were saying there, Glenn kind of discourages me a lot. It's like, well, there's just assholes and you just have to experience things. And I mean, I know you don't deal with the same levels of regret and remorse that I do, but for me, I, I hold on to that because I'm like, well, I want to, I want to teach future Tom that I'm working at getting things better for him. <laughs> You know, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, well, there's just I'm not going to make any course corrections and I'm not going to try to adjust things in my life and whatever, because, you know, assholes are assholes and you just got to deal with it. Um, sorry, future Tom. I'm real. You know, the course is laid out. Before. No, you say you say, hey, future Tom, we're learning how to deal with assholes better in a better, help, more healthy way. So future Tom, you're going to well, you're going to deal with this way better than I'm able to right now because you're going to have more patience. You're going to have more forgiveness. But what if it's the not going to matter to you as much for whatever reason? What if, the, what if the assholes adjust too and they become more aggressive and more hostile? <laughs> then it's a then you're just a no win scenario. So you, you just I'm keep a, evolving to a hostile environment. I'm becoming but, more patient, but they're becoming more dickish. But like, you're worrying. You're worrying about something that doesn't exist, though. Not yet. Exactly. <laughs> that's the problem. It doesn't you exist yet. yet. Right. Like you're worrying but about it, it right now. It sounds like, like it it's going exist. to. Right. But, but, but I'm trying. I'm trying this to. The basic, the that's basic, very fatalistic. I know. But that's the basic. The basic idea of mindfulness is that you're not worrying about things that aren't actually hurting you right now. Right now. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I. I yeah. I am worrying about things. We now. need to break out our Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, that'll that'll get Randy's blood boiling. I, just, I think I just did. I know, yeah. but you no, did it. Nothing wrong with, there's nothing man, wrong with dude. there's nothing wrong with mindfulness. Okay. <laughs> I never know where I'm going to land what, with you, Randy. But what about vibration? I just never know. <laughs> Will this trigger him? Will this trigger him? <laughs> like when I try to, it doesn't work. When I don't try to, he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's like quantum quantum physics fine astrology not fine who knows <laughs> astrology <laughs> oh matt gets me <laughs> i well if i was to talk to myself if it's my turn to answer that question uh first of all i would decline to you would decline what absolutely why because he doesn't want talk, the universe to explode by no, like him I, being I, in two places at the same. If I talk to myself, Thanks, Doc Brown. Yeah. If I talk to myself, uh, there would be a chance that my, I mean, think of think of how fragile it is that your kids exist. You had to have sex at just the right moment. Um, you know the the conditions had to be just right. And if you go back in time and, and fuck with, with you your younger with self, kids. well, <laughs> I don't want better kids. I want my kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I would. I can't breathe without my kids. Uh, you you talk about. Bad. You talk about like, uh, you know, things. Okay, let me change. Can, let me change the the hypothetical then. 
Okay. And you're not going back in time and like reliving your life or, or recreating no, but if you, your life. If you interfere, you, no, no, you might make like, different choices. No, this is a parallel universe. Yeah. That no, you're you're being have, a brief visitor. Yeah. yeah you're going to be a brief, you can brief visitor to this parallel universe. And all you want is the best for it. Okay. So you remove all of those problems. Yeah, there are yes. no negatives. My next problem. Around. My next problem is. This is fun. My, ne- my next problem is that people don't respond. Like, I, I, I agree with Glenn more than I agree with Scott on this is people don't respond to full frontal attacks to their. But, but you're not talking to people. You're talking to your I mean, fucking self. Yeah. Right. Like you, know. you kind of have an in it being really, like, I don't know if it matters that much because the really? hmm. your brain was formed under the crucible of Mormonism, and uh, like what what kind of things could uh, young Scott or young Randy, who's a missionary, think? This is a demon uh, who's well, trying to deceive me. Not necessarily. If you tell yourself your temple name, boom, you're in. You're like, oh, the, young, you, you young think Randy, a demon? You think a demon wouldn't know that? They wouldn't he be able to shake your hand. Yeah. Be able to shake your hand. <laughs> it wouldn't be able to shake your hand. Oh, he's throwing <laughs> D and C at me. That's right. I like. I like how we're the, the, the. I like these that the the obstacle has been the time travel aspect of it, rather than the yeah, fucking. Right. No, 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 that's no. what I'm we're talking all about. Psychology, <laughs> man. I'm talking about psychology. Like you, you go back and you go, okay, look, uh, there's polyandry and. Uh, Blacks in the priesthood, and uh, did you know what Brigham Young said in 1865? Let me change it then. Let, com, let me let me change it a little bit then for you, Randy. Um, within the past year, if there's been something in your life that you could have done something to change or do differently, right? Do you think you could go back a year in time, talk to Randy in 2017, and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm, it has I'm Randy in 2018." With- it has nothing to do with my uh, identity and cherished beliefs that are tied into my identity. I'm just saying that humans don't respond to very well to somebody going, here's why your cherished beliefs are wrong. And I just don't think that, you know, I, I, I think there was plenty. And, and, and a third part of this is I think there was plenty of seeds planted um, at BYU when I took that history course where they told me about that stone in the hat they told me about the papyrus uh that was discovered in the 1960s there was plenty of like seeds that were planted and i just needed to experience it on my own Mm -hmm. uh i needed the i just feel like that's that's how humans deal with cherish beliefs and uh you know i'm with glenn on this one um Okay, Glenn's gonna Glenn's gonna jump to another side here. I because I because I, I I've got another thought experiment, and but I but I need to know when you were a teenager, did you ever pray for a ministering of angels? Like, did, was that something that you wanted to have happen? Like no. when you became fourteen years old and a teacher, and now you're now you're eligible, you can get or whatever you got the for, the Iranic priesthood. I was dealing with raging hormones at fourteen. I didn't think about okay well my thought experiment was going to be my thought experiment was going to be if you could if you could appear to yourself as one of those angels that you were actually asking for and praying for and then you could tell yourself whatever you could minister unto yourself as a ministering angel um if that would change uh, any of this for you but maybe not well i'm I'm an anomaly Tom, tom already kind of talked about it like if if he could talk to himself before eight before important connections were made in his brain and the trees were formed 
Yeah, but see, the problem the problem with what Tom's example is because somebody who's younger than eight isn't going to be able to make his own choices and go, okay, sorry, mom and dad, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. Right. What, you, and you can at 14? No. But- oh, well, good point. No, I'm just saying that, that you know, like <laughs> Tom was saying, I want, to get, I want to get out of the forest before all these seeds are planted in my brain. And uh, I don't think that would have happened either. But anyway. Hey, but if I can go back in time and talk to myself, I'm going to go back in time and live with myself. I'll and say, just hey, give, give yourself new parents. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be yeah. your new dad. Yeah, I'll be your new dad. <laughs> <laughs> and mom. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Dude, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't know. I actually told the missionaries because I did give them advice. Uh-huh. So here was the advice that I gave him. And I think you guys, you're, you know what, after asking this question, you guys should not go back and talk to your younger selves. You guys are horrible at it. <laughs> You're only going to cause problems. <laughs> don't, don't talk to missionaries is what I'm saying. That's a very different statement, though. <laughs> my younger self, I know very well. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. I should have changed it. What would you say to, to somebody? Because uh, um, I've, I've talked in the past about wanting to talk to my um, – like nephews and different people that went on the mm. mission on a mission, but they never yeah. wanted to talk to me. But so here's, here's, here's ultimately what I told the missionaries is at the end, at the end, I said, look guys, I really appreciate what you're doing. I said, no, that's actually not true. I said, I, I wish you, or no, I said, I wish you luck in what you're doing. I said, that's not true. I wish you no luck <laughs> in teaching and baptizing people. <laughs> I said, but I wish well, you're, you're a great example of uh, <laughs> what somebody should say to a very impressionable. And by the way, they're 18 to 20. Can I say 20? My fucking <laughs> statement before you comment on it. And then when I finish, you're welcome to comment. I just push mute now. Just listening now. So I wish you no luck in. Um, teaching and baptize and baptizing, but I wish you incredible luck in giving service, in giving service, and in reducing suffering and protecting the vulnerable. Well, that's what I hope you do on your mission. I said, and after this mission, um, when you go home, if the church works for you and it works in really, really healthy ways, then you should stay in it. I said, but what I encourage you to do is just seek the truth and adjure the consequences. And that moment comes when you, if you feel that that truth is one way and staying in the tribe you've ever known is another, you're going to have to ask yourself, do you have the courage to seek truth? That's how, that's how I left it is fucking stay in the church. If that's what's healthy for you or leave, if you're strong enough to do it, but make sure you make the decision for yourself. Don't let anybody else make it for you. And God forbid any of the kids turn out gay. So, but here's the thing, man. The reason why I said that, that, that would have resonated with me at 19 years old. Cause I would have said, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to figure it out for myself. Cause yeah, but what was your epistemology back then? But I'm saying it doesn't matter. And that's the point of me talking to them about God and not God and all this. Cause it really didn't matter. At the end of the day, when I, what I want to give these kids and what I wish I could have given myself is more of the explorer spirit more of the, what was already kind of in me of trying to find answers to questions rather than thinking that I have answers to all the questions. 
No, I think I think that's commendable, and, I, and it's entirely possible, Matt, that you planted seeds. Oh, I don't give a shit if I did or not. What I ended with, after they walked away, I thought, holy shit, I actually meant that. I really meant that. Well, then that's why I say that you probably did plant seeds because I don't know how you guys feel about this, but to me, when someone's being genuine and sincere, that's when like a lot of walls and barriers are broken down for me. Yeah, like, for sure. Most people can feel that. Like this person's being real right here, and we're gonna, I'm gonna give them my full attention. And you know, even to your point, <clears throat> Matt, when what I try to do, and it, this most of the time I know it probably doesn't work because I'm I'm done trying to sow seeds <laughs> necessarily, at least in this stage of my life. When missionaries come over, home teachers, church members, whoever it is, if if they come over you know, and, it, and they're unaware of my situation, I actually just try to connect with them as a person. That's it. I ask them about their hobbies. I ask them mm-hmm. about their interests. I ask them about their family life. Uh, There's certain aspects I try to steer clear of. And if they try to keep pulling me back in to the conversation, like, well, okay, let's talk about the church now. I'm like, oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And what I mean by a minute, like an hour from now after you've left. Like not, yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm really not interested because to me, if – even now, when I was younger and even where I'm at now, if, if a person actually seems to even be slightly genuinely interested in finding out who I am as a person, that means a lot to me. And that I can actually feel that connection. And then I'm like, okay, for some reason, this doesn't feel like a facade, doesn't feel like it's phony or a front. Okay, are they actually trying to pay attention to me? Like with elders, if you say, hey, you know, I don't mean no disrespect. What's your, what's your guys' first names? Where are you from? Do you have any siblings you got? Did you did you like music? Did you were you in a band or st- stuff like that? Then it's like, holy shit! You know, a lot of these barriers are being removed. And then it's like the metaphorical badge is being taken off their shirt. Take it off. And then their ties getting a little bit looser as it goes. Baby, take it all off. Because now they're just a person. Sounds like you're just trying to undress them, Tom. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Jeez. I want you to wait. And then there's just suddenly their yeah. belt buckle loosens. Yeah. I don't want to feel no clothes. The pants slip down. I don't want to see no panties. <laughs> the music starts. <laughs> Thanks, Scott, for ruining it. I was on a roll. Well, when the second item of clothing came off, I thought someone needed to step in. Take off their name tag and loosen we up that tie, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys hot? You want to take my best? <laughs> <laughs> <It's true. laughs> this went really south, really. But, uh, the but the, the seriously though the the um, the thing that I mean is I really was not ta- I I don't give a shit whether I had impact on those guys. It was. For the first time, it made me feel as healed as I've ever felt from Mormonism. Because in that moment, I, well, not just that moment, what I feel like now is certain people not only should stay in the church, but that that is an elevating place for, for them. So you had an impact on yourself. I yeah. like that. That, that. that recognition that like you could let them walk away and not feel like, you had to change them or, you know, you could just accept them as who they are and, and the experiences that they're having and whatever conclusions they come to later in life. It doesn't matter. Cause it doesn't, you, you don't, you don't need them to validate you because you're already good. 
Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're, you're already good. You're on Fowler stage six now, dude. Well, oh God! <laughs> well, I don't know what the fuck that is. Triggered. Oh boy, my tie is getting loose. I mean, that's that's where I've been for a long time. Is I like I don't try. Like, uh, sure, but yeah. it pissed you off when I said that I prayed. No, try again, Randy. That did piss me off. I'm actually disgusted that you did it. <laughs> really? I can't tell. <laughs> I just said it. It was gross. All right. I thought I thought you were really upset that I do, even do done you that. not no. understand the difference between anger and repulsion. I don't. I guess not. Help me understand. Um, Randy. Uh, no, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> anger so, is anger is the red guy with the fiery hair. Right. And repulsion was green. Yes. <laughs> All right. So so Tom, you were there at my niece's uh, memorial service. Yeah. And uh, and it was a very secular service because she was never raised Mormon and um, you know uh, I gave the first talk and I used damn in hell, but I kept it clean because uh, I had aunts and uncles <laughs> that were very, very Mormon uh, and some cousins. And then uh, uh, my niece's best friend came up and gave like an hour uh, talk and he was dropping F bombs left and right. And my uncle, former stake president, couldn't take it. <laughs> uh, but we were like, you know, Jimmy and I decided we're going to give open mic time for anyone who wants to come up and say something. And my uncle came up and he, it was really bizarre. He told uh, a story about seeing my mom who's dead, my cousin who's dead, his daughter who's dead in the spirit world that he saw a vision. It was like a portal hole that opened up. Uh, and then he bore his testimony and it was really, really weird. <laughs> um, but we didn't make a big deal out of it because that's all he knows. He's probably hasn't been around people in 30 years that don't think like him or wouldn't disagree with him in any way. It just, you know, we're not, we, we just had no inclination to make a big deal about that. And, and my siblings, our siblings kind of felt that it was weird the believers and we're really concerned that we were upset and we're like, no, <laughs> we're not upset. We're not trying to change Roger. You know, this, uh, this was a memorial service for my niece. Uh, we wanted everyone who wanted to speak to speak and, and, uh, it's, it's not a big deal. And I, I don't try, I don't anymore ever try to, um, pop bubbles or, um, change people's mind or even try to change the way they think. Cause I don't think it's, uh, I, I try to challenge people on certain issues, like, you know, think about this in a different way, you know, maybe think about immigration in a different way. Um, you know, but it's all, it's always very specific. Um, and I never directly attack anyone's cherished beliefs because I know it just doesn't work. It's, it's, it's not how to, uh, build bridges. And, and so, uh, you know, you guys act like, oh, I'm angry all the time and I don't, I can't stand this or that. It's like, no, I, I have a very live and let live way of going about um, interacting with members of the church. And I'm, I'm around them in my professional world. Um, I, I'm not constantly trying to challenge their beliefs. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and I have to say this, uh, I don't think, I disagree with Matt. I don't think the church is a cult. Um, it, it, you know, there, there's 
there's a problem with defining cults, but the church, like nobody asked me to give all their stuff, all my stuff, uh, to a leader. Nobody isolated me from friends and family. I think I, I just, I don't like that word being thrown around because I, right, you know, right there, Matt, I think you're, uh, uh, subverting your attempt to try to build bridges. If you say, I think the church is a cult. Uh, it's not a cult. There, there are cult-like attributes to it. Um, but it's, I just don't think, uh, you know, that's, that's a very, very pejorative term. That's intentional. Uh, well, uh, I, I just don't understand why you would do that. Um, I said it's both, it's both a cult and a saving institution. I, I don't think it's, it's a cult. It's, I think it's, it's both of them. I think it's cult like in some ways, but I wouldn't even use the word cult at all. I think, I think I would, I would use different language, but I think you're uh, also truth is dependent on whether how beneficial it is rather than objective. So, <laughs> but I do agree. I do agree with your assessment that, you, you know, it saves lives. The church absolutely saves lives. Mm-hmm. It saved my dad's life. You know, his mom died in 1946 when he was just six years old. And his dad was a very inattentive, uh, you know, insensitive father and the church swooped in and really changed his life. And, uh, and there's lots of stories like that. I mean, the the church can be a really powerful family. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Surrogate, uh, for a lot of people that don't have that already in their lives. Um, but it can, it can also, the, the damage is so fucking bad. It, it's so high. You know, if you, if you're a transgender, if you're gay, if you're feminist, if you don't fit in, the church can turn on you on a dime and, and be a destructive force in your life. That sounds, um, cult. That sounds like a cult. Cult-like. Yeah. If you have the ability to do that, if at any moment you are an expression of that, you are that. If that is the reality for, for people, and I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is, is I don't care about anyone else outside of me. For me and my family, it is a cult. That yeah. may not be everybody else's experience. I'm telling you, it's a cult. Because it's a, it is my cult. And it was my, it, my truth, my experience. It's a cult. And I can point to very specific ways in, w- in the way it was, it was a cult. It is a cult. It is. Well, I'll just say there but that's way- not to say it universally is a cult to everyone. <laughs> that's the fucking point. Okay. Well, uh, I would say the church has attributes that make it a destructive force and has attributes that make it a very powerful saving force. It's a mixed bag. And, um, uh, if it's working for someone, I have no disposition to try to rip that away from them. I have no disposition. My little brother is perfectly happy in the Mormon church and everything seems to be going great. I have no, no desire to try to attack that. Um, I just challenge him in, in specific things, little things here and there. Um, and it allows us to have, you know, a, a pretty meaningful relationship my dad at this point is mostly asleep. So there's not much to work with there. Well, 
I've um Oh, I just killed this room. No, not at all. I um so my my conclusions with the church or my approach to the church um are that like Glenn, I absolutely love that I grew up in the church at this point. I can stand here and say no regrets at all. I experienced incredible agony as a Mormon and as an ex-Mormon. Too much of that agony was self-imposed and it was unnecessarily experiencing trauma over and over and over and over again, not knowing how to get out of that loop. But it was trauma nonetheless, and it was agonizing nonetheless. But in the last three years especially, I've experienced ecstasy to a level that I never thought possible. And I'm convinced that it's the agony of the church and the experiences of the church that's allowed that. Because they are my experiences, whatever they are. And when I say the church is a cult, it is a cult. It is, for me, it is a cult, just as it is the one true church for my dad. And both of those things are true. Because at the end of the fucking day, I get to decide for me where my, what my needs are and how to meet those needs. Other people get to decide for themselves. And if other people are happy, are happier in the church, I'm sure as fuck not the person to say, no, you're not. Because for too many years, I've looked around at other people and saying, you could be happier out of the church. You should, you should, you should. And the reality is, is I know fuck all about their life. Absolutely. And their life is as complicated and subtle as mine is. And they have a perspective that I never, never will have. And so I can only stay, say what's right for me. And beyond that, let people figure it out for themselves. And so my advice for everyone is whatever decisions you make, Make sure that they're just be the ones that are the ones you determine for yourself. I think the tra- yourself. I think the trap that a lot of ex Mormons fall into is the this insatiable desire we all have to be understood and and wanting to tell your story to people that don't want to hear your story. Um, it's just not uh, you're not going to be understood. Number one. And, and you're probably going to damage relationships unnecessarily, in my opinion. And so, um, and, and I totally agree with you, you know, fuck all about anyone else's life and how things are working for them. Um, it, it, it's just, it's like the, it's, it's so presumptuous, uh, to, uh, insinuate yourself in, in, in such a kind of clumsy way, but it's in my not, opinion. It's- but I just want to push back a little bit. I just don't think that it's binary. I don't think it's an either or situation. I, I think our desire to be understood has its benefits. And yeah, it probably will land on a lot of deaf ears and probably will turn off a lot of people. But I also think that it can be beneficial for a minority of people. I mean, I, I still strive to listen to people's stories, no matter how tragic or even uplifting or even mundane they are. I still feel like there's connections to be made. And even if we are just expressing ourselves in in these transformative times of our lives, I still think there's benefit. And I I guess I just don't want to completely downplay and make it sound like it's an either or situation. I I feel like, well, I I don't, I'd never said it was either or I I just, you you kind of implied that it was, well, I'm saying don't use the fire hose method. 
use the garden hose method. If you want to be understood, if you want to be understood, you need someone to listen. And if you just, if you just blast them with a fire hose email to all your relatives, just as one example of being a fire hose, um, I just, I just don't think that that's just a total waste of time and, and not useful to anybody, but you want to be understood, like let yourself be understood you're, I mean, you're not going to try to be understood by acquaintances, right? Like, who cares? It's the people that matter to you that you want to be understood to. And you just let them in a little bit at a time, I think, is a better approach. That's just my opinion. So so, so my, my thoughts on this, and I don't know if there's really enough time, especially we've been going for a while, to really lay out step by step how I came to this. But I, I think getting to a place where you don't need outside validation because I think you're right. I think, I, and I think especially because being raised in the church, when you, you get validation from outside for all of these things that you do, starting in primary, you know, nursery, primary, all these things, these attaboys, pat on the back, aren't you such a good person? You, you're conditioned to need that outside validation. And then once you start going against the stream and you're not getting that validation, you're looking for it, looking for it. Where can I get that validation? If you can learn how to be that for yourself and that you understand yourself and that you are really comfortable with the choices that you've made with the person that you are and that, yeah, it might still be nice to have other people understand, but you don't really need that you, because you can understand yourself. And then I think to Tom's point, then, then when you recognize that there's other people out there that, that they need to be understood, you can be that for them. You know, you, you can, you can help the, it, and whether you really understand or you agree or whatever, it, you kind of like free yourself of having to, um, demand that from other people. Does that? Yeah, that's totally makes that? sense. It's like, yeah. that's, uh, you're, I'm, I'm you're speaking my language, Glenn. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the Trump thing in and, and already it's only been an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm saying is it's, you know, for the, for those of us who think Trump is um, an odious narcissistic ignoramus uh, and we can't imagine how anyone could support him. Like if you listen, if uh, I think um, this American life did a great podcast on that. If you listen to people and their perspectives and understand why they would vote for Trump or why they would support Trump, it makes it so you don't dehumanize them. Mm. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Glenn. Uh, it's, it's just the hard thing. Okay. Just want to let Matt say goodnight. The hard thing is, is getting to a place where you don't need that ballot, that outside ballot. That is hard. That is hard. That's easy to say, but it's hard to internalize. I think it's hard to maintain. That's too practice. Yeah. But is this is that scratching on the surface of not giving a damn what other people think? Is it even related to that? Yeah, it's re- it's related to. It. I, and and I, I think that it's I think not, not giving a damn is is a little hyperbolic. That's hard. You know, it's a little strong. Yeah. But but like being able to. Uh, give the right amount of weight <laughs> to what other people's opinions and it's, and it's finding that right amount. I mean, and, I don't know and certain people who 
<laughs> matter a lot and you check against more. Yeah. Right. You know, like my, my, my wife, certainly I give a shit about right. how I am being interpreted and really what I think and our values and all those things have to align as, you know, in, 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 in work. And as you, as you, you know, it starts becoming about shared values and it become, so I do care and where are all those and you're constantly checking in. The word that right. comes to mind is interdependence that I'm, I'm interdependent from other people. I'm, they're necessary and they're not just necessary, important, and there needs to be connection and we have to have shared, uh, shared values and, and purposes that kind of uh, motivate us in a certain direction and to do certain things, but that there's some interdependence that ultimately I'm doing things because I feel they right and I've made that, that, that judgment. I've internalized certain things and adopted them to, to be mine. Rather than just okay, what is external? Let me look externally and what that external influence says. Then I will uh, modify my my place to 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 do what they say. Not, not checking in against external, but checking in against the internal first, and then using the other people as a as a check in and as a guide guide uh, guidepost. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like becoming. Uh, uh, I don't give a fuck person about what anyone thinks about me because that's, that's not a good attribute. I right. <laughs> give a fuck about what anyone right. think, thinks yeah. about you. You really should care about what other people think about you, but, uh, but you, you're not, it's not, um, like your, uh, driving force that people validate you. It's, it's the seasoning of your life. It's not the bulk of your nourishment. <laughs> okay. Holy cow. Yeah. Chicken soup for the soul. Folks. Yes. <laughs> or beef stew. <laughs> yeah. Beef stew for the soul. Who are your external influence or external check-ins, Randy? Who do you, who do you rely on for authority these days? Authority? Yeah. Who's your authorities? Who's your My prophet? <laughs> Um, and I say it because it was just cracking. It's, it's been cracking me up a lot as I was listening to you guys talk with, you know, about the Sam, Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson stuff. Cause I'm like, you guys are doing a better job than them. Why the fuck do we keep invoking them as prophets? Well, Peterson says, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I'm not saying you guys explicitly did this, but I see a lot of people adopting these different podcasters and different thinkers as prophets and invoking them. And, and, you know, the appeals to authority now are in these, you know, with the, with these academics. And part of the part of, of not giving a shit what other people think is just that is saying, well, wait a minute, let me hear what that person thinks and really think, apply it to, to my life and my perspective and my perceptions and see if I think similarly or different. And I think too often we're not doing that. And instead we're finding other people to think for us and then adopt for that's the right. other part of not giving a shit about what other people think. Well, I think that there's been an, a very unhealthy erosion of um, a respect for expertise. Uh, and I think, Matt, you would uh, consider yourself an expert on sex crimes. Mm, and criminal law, yeah. And uh, that Maybe even uh, the it would expert. be wise. Maybe. No, but it would be wise to defer to your expertise. So I, I, I will defer to expertise because I can't know everything and I certainly can't be an expert on everything. 
Um, I will defer to scientific consensus, but if, you know, if some podcaster said something, I'm not going to quote them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, fucking a man, that's, uh, you know, hero worshiping is anathema to, to what, you know, I'm about now, but at the same time, expertise and scientific consensus are things that uh, I would say are wise to defer to um, if it's an area of that person's expertise. Do you have a Mount Rushmore, Randy? A Mount Rushmore of what? Like the, the biggest influencers in your life or like the... Uh, I've never really thought of that, but there's lots of people I admire. Yeah. Mm. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to cite a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> You're not okay. even going to give us a teaser. Not one give us a top five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you are, you talking about philosophy or are you talking about I, art? I, I really kind of lobbing a softball. You just finished saying he doesn't like hero worship and you're like, well, so, so who <laughs> would like me. the best people? Who are your four ever? heroes? <laughs> who should we put up on a mountain and like worship? Like who would All be right. those people? So, for so, so oh, yes, like- yesterday Matt and I were together mm-hmm. and as we were leaving, Matt told me his Mount Rushmore and I Ooh. thought it was really cool. And that's what made me think to ask that question. I want to hear reminds that. Me, that reminds me of John DeLynn's uh, question he used to ask. Okay, so John DeLynn, your, I asked you who's your, on your Mount Rushmore. You said John DeLynn. Your four pillars, <laughs> your four pillars of, uh, of, of living your life now. It's, like, it's always an awkward question. <laughs> yeah, I don't have heroes that I put uh, on the Mount Rushmore. Not at What's all. Matt's? I want to know Matt's Mount Rushmore. So I have three on my Mount Rushmore currently. I'm looking for a fourth, but, um, you know, to, so it won't just be a three pattern. Then, you know, it's like real, <laughs> not man-made. Um, but right now it's, uh, Carl Sagan, um, Alan Watts and Fred Rogers. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Yeah. Love that. Those are my three. And Did you see the documentary? Not yet, but Fred, uh, oh. Mr. Rogers. Then you can't put him on your on your Rushmore until <laughs> you see the documentary. <laughs> you can't. You can't appreciate Mr. Rogers. What do you know about Mr. Rogers? What do you even know about him? What if you, you watched the documentary? <laughs> what if just, you happened to commit? just because you've had decades of experience? You haven't watched the most recent episode about him. No, it's it's cons- it's it's uh, you know it's the consummate uh, celebration of his life. <laughs> to, to me, with some. Though, Republicans uh, saying he ruined an entire generation. Well, he, he, um, oh, was that what the documentary claims? No, they uh, the, the whole documentary's tone changes when they bring in some Republicans uh, who who say that he ruined a generation because he said everybody is a winner. This is what started. Everyone gets a trophy mm-hmm. and uh, and started this this whole uh, uh, softening of an uh, entire generation of people. Now, Mister Rogers didn't say. Uh, you are the most special. He just said, you are special. <laughs> you know, yeah, Each like one you. of us are special. I like, you, I like you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Exactly. Um, and I've, I have done a lot of research on com- his strategies in commuting direct, communicating directly to, to children. It's um, kind of tied to forensic interviewing. 
that I've been involved in. So he was ahead of his game in talking or talking directly to kids and knowing how to talk directly to them. And I, I think having the mailman be Mr. McFeely, that was a mistake. I, that was a bad choice. That was Mr. McFeely. Mr. Yeah. McFeely. Um, but all three of those to me are, were, were very effective communicators of three very different, but intersecting areas. Um, Sagan was science and the, the, the universal messages was gain perspective and explore your world. Um, Alan Watts was in philosophy and his message was gain perspective and explore your mind. And Fred Rogers was just a compassionate guy that talked to kids directly about be yourself, trust yourself, love yourself, explore your world and be kind. What the fuck else do we need beyond those things? Explore your world, explore your mind and be kind. I think there's room for a beetle on there, but I know you've got mixed feelings about John Lennon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did hook up with Yoko Ono. (laughs) So there you go, Randy. Those are my heroes. The guys that told me to fucking explore for myself. I didn't say I didn't have heroes, but what's the difference? What's the difference, man? Mount Rushmore is full of heads of heroes. Come on, man. Give us a give you just, us a you just don't like to worship your heroes. No, because they there's shit that goes along with the good. You know, uh, I just think that when you be, when you put them in a in a, on a pedestal, uh, you. Um, you turn them into cartoon characters. Oh, you know yeah. what it is? It, it's, it's, it's Randy's going through a hero identity crisis because of Louis CK. That's what it is. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't even put it together. Oh. My the, most the world's all been just gray. Really, yeah. Randy realizes yeah. Mount Rushmore. I thought, nope. Can't use him. No, oh, yeah, nope. I can't. Nope. can't use him. Uh, I, Scott was going to say something. I was going to say my most recent um, one where I kind of felt like I did after Louis CK was uh, Elon Musk just calling this guy a pedophile like out of nowhere? I don't know what's ha- what happened. You don't, what happened? You guys didn't follow Musk. that. Mm-mm. You know, are you, the, saying, the, are you the, saying you like Elon Musk? He's I your... liked him previously. He's oh, like a hero. Yeah, I oh, thought he was okay. awesome. And then, and then they were trying. Like Tesla was trying to build this little tube to rescue those kids out of the cave in Thailand. Mm. Oh, the soccer team. Yeah. The soccer team. And they ended up getting the tube over there. And the guy who was like the leader of, or one of the, one of the people who was involved with getting the kids out. Um, who's a extremely experienced diver over there. Elon Musk gotten a Twitter feud with him and Elon called him a, a pedo. Um, for no, that, that's not the first Twitter Oh, Dumb I, shittiness I, that Elon Musk is engaged in. I know, and I didn't realize that. And then when I started, I started <laughs> digging a little bit more, and I'm like, oh, so he just like blows up at people randomly. Like, fuck this guy. Oh, his he ego. Might, is he so might have out lots of, of good ideas, but like, I'm not going to think of him as like, you know. Again, don't meet your heroes. Like, it's yeah. I mean, do you guys know one of my kids' names? Right. Just, just one. What? Lincoln. Yeah. So Lincoln is one of my heroes. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of, one of the great things about Lincoln is that he, <laughs> he didn't surround himself with sycophants. Right. 
He yeah. surrounded himself with people with uh, opposing, like polar opposite points of view so that he always could get both sides of the argument before he made a decision. Um, you know, that's just one of many great things about Lincoln. Um, Carl Sagan, the great science communicator who still hasn't been replaced. Uh, apologies to Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's no Carl Sagan. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Matt. You know, he's a hero of mine. Stephen Novella is a hero of mine uh, from the Skeptics Guide. Um, Shakespeare is a hero of mine. Even uh, if it was a ghostwriter? It was. That's such... <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) All right. Move on. Sorry. Uh, you know, so yeah, there, there are, uh, great, but you know, all these heroes are complicated and, uh, full of flaws and that's, that's what makes them so wonderfully human. And so I try not to hero worship. Anyway, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Good night. (laughs) It's been real. (laughs) All right. This is Ashley from North Yorkshire, England. And I have finished my final year of a psychology degree in London. So watch out, infants. A psychologist is listening. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. Anyone for the closing prayer? Have you ever, any of you guys tried to watch... Uh... Sasha Baron Cohen's new special. Well, here's the problem with it. It's like, it's way too late. It's way too late. Look, if I go talk to myself, how do I know that that's not going to throw me off into some... (laughs) I just like, okay, Republicans have been acting badly for the better part of two years now without any consequences. So big fucking deal that he gets them to act badly under a guise. Did yeah, you but don't you think the mockery, the mockery and the, the level oh. that he brings it to sort of highlights it and, and, and aids the conversation? Yes, it would have two years ago. <laughs> yeah. But, I, here's, did, but, but did, did you, have you watched the, the new I special the, that he did? I watched the first episode. The second okay. episode was released tonight. So I have to oh, watch was it. it okay. So yeah, I don't even think I finished watching the first episode. I it just, was I, comfortable. It was so uncomfortable, and I couldn't believe like the, the makeup was so bad. Like the co- the, the disguises were so bad. And I, this this is not Borat or well, I you know, love like the the, way, those. It, I love the way he walked though, as the Israeli. Oh yeah, so <laughs> I, hate, I hated the the free like bleeding stuff. How he kept talking hours. about the free bleed. Oh yeah, we let her f- free bleed. I'm like, stop. Yeah, the the other stop. stuff. The other episodes were also revealing. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to have commentary on other things. It was like the, they did one on the, um, there was an art, but an art critic. And it was supposedly that he played this ex con that was making art with his, with his feces. And with his feces, his feces, yeah. and his cum, his poop. and his cum, and his and his cum, yeah. No, yeah. and and his cum, and I said yes. I said it, Randy. I agree with oh, you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Say it one more time, Randy. Make sure that everybody gets it. His splooge. Right. Okay. And then he goes, you know, he, but it gets really over the top. But then this woman who just is the, the art critic is just soldiering through explaining the how beautiful it is the duality of man and in taking waste material and creating beauty and art 
And so I mean, it's, it, it, it reduces it to like meaninglessness. It's like, yeah. what is the point of even seeing this? And, and I like the one with Bernie Sanders, there were a couple of times where I thought, oh, that's funny. But most of the time it was just like, I couldn't believe that Bernie Sanders was really even entertaining this guy. And he, he didn't I, well, well, really entertain him that much. Well, it's showing. He it's corrected showing him. He, he would just correct yeah. him over and over. Basically what it shows, and this, this to me is maybe the, the biggest thing, is what it really shows is how beholden to major corporations these, these politicians are. The fact mm. that they can get audience with these guys, they have enough pull with enough people to have the, pr- the press con- credentials to get these people in this room. Interesting. So, they have no idea. They, they, there's, it's Showtime that's backing it. They, 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 there's been enough of the, of the blowback where they're saying, look, we were, uh, you know, basically that. <laughs> it was we, mostly Sarah Palin. No, no, no. It wasn't just her. It was Joe Walsh was another one was saying, yeah, I heard that, you know, one, one person. It's a couple of the techniques that are used, but they're doing them from professional huge organizations that are massed in credibility. So it shows you that, you know, if you, if you, if you have the certain tools, you can get access to these people. Well, yeah, that's, that's the plutocracy we live in. So to me, that's the commentary. How about this? Shine the light on you, Sasha. How the fuck do you get access to these people? That, that in and of itself is a criticism of our fucking society. Boom. Well, I think that's part of his point. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. A big part of it is that he was able to get access to people, and that's totally ridiculous. But I think think there's a false equivalency when you're talking about Bernie Sanders and the art lady who are just being polite, where he was drawing out of the Republican congresspeople, congressmen, uh, that kindergartners and preschoolers should be carrying guns and even had them record a fucking commercial <laughs> and for a kindergartners ba- holding, uh, carrying guns. Only the select few. And a, rudiment- show- and a rudimentary knowledge of mortars. Rudimentary knowledge of mortars. Yeah, listen, man. There's a false false equivalency. I think you're drawn, Matt, and and uh, that's. I mean, I'm not. not I'm not creating a false equivalency, but that art critic lady did trim her own pubes to give them to to to. I just think she was an over accommodating, super nice idiot. How about the religious people? They became very super accommodating and nice. Oh, they were actually, uh, especially the wife. The wife was impressive. Uh, she's like, don't. She's like, she's like coaching her husband. Don't be disrespectful. This is our chance to be demo. Yeah, that 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 part was hard to watch. I I almost fast forwarded through that. that, that that's was, when I turned it off midway through yeah, that one. I'm like, was, yeah, I'm gonna watch being, billions. He's being such a he's being such a dick to these these people that have let him into his home. Yeah. Uh, talking about it, making his daughter menstruate uh, on a United States flag, uh, so that it's completely red like China's flag. It's like. I mean, what are you, like, what are you doing? What, what is, I didn't know what he was doing there. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.